Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. We're going to jump right in it today. Today is Communion Sunday, and it's such a wonderful time for us as, as a church to be able to remember all that the Lord has done, to remember his sacrifice for us. And some of us, uh, maybe some of you grew up in a faith tradition where uh, taking of communion was something that you maybe just did, and, and sometimes things that were meant to be special and sometimes things that were meant to be memorable can just turn into routine. And today, um, as we're taking communion, I really, really felt from the Lord that we don't want this just to be something that we do, but something that we really can remember and go back and really get the greatest benefit. How many want to receive the greatest benefit from the Lord today? Amen? Amen. So look at this verse in the book of Corinthians. And we're going to come back to this in a minute, in a little bit, when we actually take communion together. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it says this. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And let's read this, this last verse together, verse 26. Here we go, one, two, three. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this idea of communion, when we take of the bread and the juice here in a moment, it's we're actually proclaiming the work of Jesus Christ. We're proclaiming his death. We're proclaiming something. And we're not just proclaiming it to, the, to those around us and to the world, but one of the audiences that we're proclaiming it to is also ourselves, is to our own hearts. And a key to being a strong Christian is the ability to not just have truth here, but to have truth here, to have it impact who we are at the core of our being. And, and then when we take communion, we want to be, able to, to be able to proclaim the work of the Lord to our hearts in a fresh way. And in order for us to celebrate and to proclaim the Lord's work, we need to be reminded of a couple of things. And first of all, we need to be reminded of the great challenge. We live in a very turbulent world. We live in a time when people are pointing fingers all over the place at who's to blame for what. And, well, it's this person or this group or this place or what have you. And as Christians, we need to process the world through the word of God. How many of you say amen? This is our guide for life. And we, we can be distracted externally with all of the challenges, but we as Christians can remember what the original and the greatest challenge is. And the greatest challenge and the greatest problem that humanity faces is the problem of sin. Amen, Pastor. Wow, that was so loud. Okay. <laughs> but listen, sin is actually what started this mess in the first place. God created Adam and Eve as the first man and woman place them in a perfect paradise, and say so you can do all of these different things, but the one thing that you're not allowed to do is to eat of, this, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And of course, unfortunately, what's the one thing that they did? They ate of that one tree. And thus began the cycle of sin and brokenness all throughout humanity. It all goes back to mankind disobeying God. And so the original, the challenge that we face in society, the challenges we face in our families, the stress and the strain of life, it could all be pointed back to the fact that we don't only just live in a sinful world, but we are sinful people. If you're a sinful person, raise your hand. Okay, some of you aren't telling the truth, that's okay, we know. Because okay, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short. How many of you are washed by the blood of Jesus, though? Amen? Amen. Praise God. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we have to remember that the greatest challenge that we face is, with, is, is that we are a sinful and a broken people. I, there are certain topics uh, when we read the Bible that we love to hear. How many of you love talking about the amazing love of God? I love hearing about how God loves me. I love hearing about how when I wasn't work, looking for God, he came looking for me. I love hearing about how God, God doesn't, doesn't hold our sins against us, but I love talking about the amazing forgiveness. Are you thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord over your life? Amen. I love talking about how, how even 2017, that this year can be more blessed than last year because we go from glory to glory and strength to strength. I love talking about how he's the bondage-breaking God, how he can take the chains that are on our life that have even bound our families for generations, and with one word of power, those chains can be broken. Are you thankful for the bondage-breaking power of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God that he's breaking chains every single day. Hallelujah. How many of you, uh, just a showing of hands, lived for an extended time in a warm weather climate? And Chicago does not count. Okay, some of us, all right. Well, you know, I, I have this thing where uh, one, of my, one of my friends, I remember he had his first winter in Chicago, and he, he, he grew up in Arizona. He was like 35 years old, had never seen snow, and, the very, and I remember the very first time that he, he came into Chicago, it was like 40 degrees outside, and he had the earmuffs, he had the scarf, he had the North Face jacket, he had boots on. I was like, dude, it's 40 degrees. He's like, oh man, it's freezing cold, you know. And, and, I, and I got to think about that, that contrast is a huge deal. You know, there's, there's, someone was telling me the other day that there's like whole, like little colonies of people that live in Antarctica, they're scientists and what have you. I promise you that when those people get off the plane from Antarctica and they fly, let's say, into Miami, they're really, really, really happy, okay? And they feel the, the, the temperature contrast, right? If, and I know for us in Chicago, after we've gone through a very difficult winter, which we haven't had yet, but who knows, we have to wait till June to find out, okay? <laughs> but, you know, the fact is, is that when you go through a really, really hard winter, it's like 30 below, all of a sudden when, when June or May comes around and it's 60 degrees, everyone's happy, right? You're like, I remember how cold it was. Contrast is important in life. Well, contrast is very important also when it comes to biblical truth, because how can we really appreciate the love of God if we don't really understand the judgment of God? How could we understand the, the forgiveness of God if we don't understand how God calls us to be obedient? And how could we understand the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and how can we appreciate that at the depth that we should if we're not reminded of the sin that he brought us from? Now, this is not a sermon that's going to bring us, God willing, through the gutter. That's not what this is about. But we do need to be reminded, oh, we need to be reminded that when we were in the darkness, Jesus cleansed us from all of our unrighteousness. And so talking about sin is important from time to time. And so today's message, we're going to talk about that briefly. And, and then we're going to, it's going to be exciting and encouraging, maybe not so encouraging. And can I encourage you as we go, come around the Bible together? If you start to feel uncomfortable, that is probably a good thing. Meaning that when the Holy Spirit starts to turn his searchlight on, if you start to feel a little uncomfortable, that is not a bad thing. Let God do his work. Because we live in a culture that everything has to be comfortable, everything has to be convenient, but when we come around the Bible, the Bible should pierce us. 
In Hebrews, it says the word of God is like a sharp and double-edged sword, and it should be able to pierce us and convict us. So in the, in the next couple of moments, if you start to feel maybe a little uncomfortable or pierced, let that be the fact that maybe God is wanting to expose something. And remember, we talked about to the men about this yesterday. It was really powerful at our men's breakfast. God never exposes us to shame us. He exposes us to heal us. He exposes us to clean us up, okay? So we're going to go and look. When it talk, comes to this topic of sin, so that we can appreciate the body and the blood of Jesus. We're going to go back and we're going to actually look at the second, the second sin that is recorded in the Bible. And the first one was Adam and Eve in the garden. The second one that's recorded is that their son, their firstborn son, um, Cain, actually killed his brother. We're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 4. And I'm, if, if you don't have your Bible with you, um, it'll be up on the screen. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And it says this, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? By the way, a piece of advice, it's not good to be sarcastic with God, okay? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Brothers and sisters, the consequences of sin are great, but the glory of the cross is greater. The consequences of, this, of sin are great, but the glory of the cross is greater. That is the title of the message today, the glory of the cross, the glory of the wonderful cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, God himself came down and put on and became a man, and he died on a cross. His, his blood was shed for us to be the payment for our sin. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we come along here. I'm going to focus real quickly on verse 13 and 14. Cain said to the Lord after he did this horrible act. He said, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Look up here for a second. I want you to imagine, we're going to go into a point here talking about this. I want you to imagine that your heart is, is like, is, is a home. 
And you walk in and there's a, a man of God wrote a, a really wonderful teaching on this once. So for the sake of this message, I want you to imagine that your heart, your spiritual heart is, is, is a home with a variety of different rooms. Okay, you've got, a, you've got a kitchen, you've got a living room, you've got a dining room, you've got a bedroom, maybe you have a basement, there's some, some bedrooms maybe on the second floor. Okay, when we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus, God comes to, to actually come into our heart. He says in the book of Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who would welcome me, I'll come in and I'll sup with him. And so this idea of that God walks into the doors of our heart. So I want you to imagine that. And the Lord wants to, he wants to fellowship with us. But look, the first thing that we need to recognize in this, with this idea of with, with the challenge with sin is that sin hides us from God's presence. Sin hides us from God's presence. You see, Cain understood this. And he said, God, because of my sin, God, because of it, I'm going to be hidden from your presence. I'm going to be hidden from your presence. God created mankind because he wanted to fellowship with people that have a free will that can choose to be with him. He had the angels in heaven, but that wasn't enough. In, the, in his incredible the mind of God, he said, I want to create mankind so that there are soul-living, real, uh, uh, free-willed people who can make a choice to honor me and to worship me. We were created for the presence of God. We were created to be with God. But brothers and sisters, when in the, before Adam and Eve sinned, God would walk with them every single day. Imagine you tell someone tomorrow, hey, what do you have for lunch? I got a lunch appointment with God. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna be, we're going to go take a walk around the block together, and uh, I'm going to talk to him about my day, He's gonna talk, but, but I'm going to actually see him. He's going to be there manifest, and I'm going to be able to walk with him every single day. That's how it used to be. God wants fellowship. He wants relationship. He doesn't just want some far-off, disconnected reality. No, God wants to be close. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to draw near to his children. But what the, the problem with sin is sin separates us from the presence of God. Sin separates us from God's presence. Cain was driven away from the presence of God. And he couldn't, God, because why? God is holy. Holy and perfect. There is nothing that is, that is, that is sinful about God. God cannot sin. He's not even anywhere close to that. He's perfect. And sin cannot be in his presence. Sin is not permitted in the presence of the Lord. And so that was part of the whole problem. He's like, well, how am I going to reclaim mankind because we're out of fellowship. And what he did is he became a man and came down so that we could actually be with him and we can be in relationship with him. So I want you to, to imagine real quickly, maybe in, in, in back to the illustration of your house being, your heart being a house. So if if you, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in a little bit. Your house is empty right now. Your heart is empty. And you might be trying to fill your, your house with all sorts of stuff. You might be trying to fill it with other relationships. You might be trying to fill it with business success. You might be trying to fill it with certain causes. You might be trying to fill it with, with, with maybe substances. You might be trying to fill it with all sorts of things. But, but the problem is sin does not satisfy. It actually just leaves you empty, 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 empty. Have you ever found that sin just leaves you empty? Yes. But as one, one man of God says, our heart has a God-sized hole and only God can fill it. God is, his presence is meant to dwell in the heart of man. And if you've never given your heart to the Lord, he wants to cleanse you of your sin so that he can come and live with you and move into your house, the house of your heart. However, if you have given your heart to Jesus, 
We have to recognize that sin hides, the presence of God withdraws from us. Now, if sin doesn't, Jesus doesn't move out like an angry husband or something. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't just move out. The Bible says no one can pluck me out of the Father's hand. He's a patient, merciful, merciful, merciful God. Are you thankful that God is a merciful and a faithful God? Amen. Come on, we need to praise him for his mercy and his faithfulness. However, we do live in an age and in a culture and in a climate in Christianity in America when sin is something that is not maybe even talked about and it is, it is demonstrated that you can sin a little bit over here and you could still have good fellowship with God. I am here to tell you today, according to the word of God, God does not mix. How, what can light and darkness have in common? Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. It says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Like I talked about, our heart is a home. He, wants to he comes and lives with us. As God says, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. God is not a God of mixture. God does not share his glory with anyone else. He does not share space with an idol. He does not share space with, with darkness. He is light. What fellowship does light and darkness have together? There's a clash. It cannot be so. So when, because of sin, if we start to engage in sin and we participate in sin, what begins to take place is, is imagine if, you, if you've, how many of you married folks here have ever gotten in one fight with your spouse in your entire marriage? Okay, let's tell, let's tell the truth, Right? If you're, single, if you're single here, maybe a roommate. Maybe anyone ever had a disagreement with a roommate? They're like, they're sitting next to me, Pastor Man. I can't say it. <laughs> okay. You get it. Someone you live with, college roommates, you get in a disagreement. Well, it kind of goes like this. You walk in the door of the house, and you might walk right by them, and they don't say a word to you. And you, might, you could live with somebody, but you may not be on speaking terms. They could be living in another room, they could still be in your house, but that doesn't mean you're in fellowship together. And that's what happens when we start to sin. Even though Jesus is here in our heart, his presence starts to withdraw. We're not on speaking terms. We're, he, he, we're, not, we're not connected. And now here's part of the trap of the devil. And listen very closely here. Here's what the enemy does. If we, if we fall into sin or we step into sin or however we get there, if we don't go to the Lord and confess it, because the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to purify you from all unrighteousness. Are you thankful that when we confess, Jesus forgives? Amen? He does, but sometimes we don't want to confess it because we actually like it. And, so, and it's then part of the nature. We won't go to the Lord and confess it. So if we live in unconfessed sin, what begins to happen is the presence of God begins to withdraw, and when his presence withdraws, there is a void. There's a void. And so then the enemy comes in. He says, listen, there's a void right there. You know what you need to do? You need to fill that with something else. Go hang out with this person. Start this relationship. Take this job. Do this activity. Do this, do this. Fill this, fill this. Taste this, touch this. That'll satisfy. That'll satisfy. That'll satisfy. And we start to take in. And one sin leads to another. And before we know, we are totally bound up. And brothers and sisters, the good news here is today 
is that even though sin moves away, the presence of God moves away from us when we sin, the blood of Jesus is what gives us access to God's presence. The blood of Jesus gives us the access we need. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So even maybe today you are in sin, you have, you, 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 sin has taken root in your heart. One of the beautiful things about coming to the communion table is we can come and we can say, Lord, would you cleanse me with your blood once again? Would you, would you wash me with your blood? God, I confess my sin to you and God, I wanna be clean before you. And then he gives us access. It's not by the works that we do. We can't do good enough things in order to please God. That's not the way it works. But the blood of Jesus is what gives us access into God's presence. Are you thankful for his blood this morning? Come on, let's praise him for his amazing blood, his wonderful, wonderful, wonderful blood. I was reading an article the other day talking about credit card agencies and how their, their APR interest, their interest rates and and one of their, their goals is to, just to, is to be able to get people to keep high uh, balances on their credit card because that's how they make money. That's how they make money. If you keep high, high, high balances on your credit card, then you're paying the APR, and that's how these whole entire companies are funded. And I began to think that sometimes, unfortunately, some Christians, maybe because they're not informed biblically, they haven't been in their Bible, or maybe because they have believed a lie, they can, we, we can, they can start to use the blood of Jesus as a credit card. So even though the blood of Jesus gives us access, we are thankful for that, that doesn't mean that we should then take light of the blood of Jesus and say, well, I can do this, I can hang out here, I can, I can dabble with this sin and I can do this because I can, just, I can ask Jesus to forgive me later. Well, if, if you're in that state of mind today, if, you have the, the, if, if the state of mind says, well, I can do whatever I want, and I say this because I love you, I love you, I've been praying for you, pastors, our leaders, we love you, we love you, we love you, that's why we're saying this. If you believe that you do whatever you want, and then the blood of Jesus will just take care of it later, I appeal to you, I don't think you really understand the relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus is we don't use them like a credit card. We don't just check in when we want to. Imagine living with somebody in your house and the only time you talk to them is when you, when you said, oh, I'm sorry, I've been away for a week. Or I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Well, that's not a relationship. That is not what God had in mind. The apostle Paul said, should we just go on, keep, keep on sinning because we know there's grace? He said, may it never be, may it never be, may it never be. We should never take the blood of Jesus and treat it like a credit card or treat it like some cheap thing that we can just walk around and say, well, I got the blood, so I'm fine. I can sin and I can live in the world and I can be worldly and I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. If that's you today, I appeal to you. You're being deceived. Just say, God, no, no. I, I just, just bow down before the Lord because you are not 
understanding the beautiful, beautiful reason why Jesus came. Jesus didn't just come so that we could have our sins forgiven. He came that we could have relationship with him, that we could be intimate with him, that he could speak to us. He can help us. He'll help us in our marriages. He'll help us with our children. He wants to speak words of life. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. When everything else fails, Jesus is still there. He remains the same. He is faithful, 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 faithful. Oh, I appeal to you. Have a biblical understanding of God. Read your Bible. That's why we're constantly saying you have to understand what the Bible says about God. Not what about American culture says about God. Not what your upbringing was. Not what a church said or a pastor said. We need to have a biblical understanding of the beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus breaks every cycle. The blood of Jesus will cleanse entire family lines. Your father might have done something, your grandfather, all the way back, but one moment under the blood of Jesus, and he will cancel that, and he will break the cycle, and he will set you on a path of life and of godliness and of wholeness and of peace. That's how powerful the blood is. Murderers, adulterers, mass murderers have given their hearts to Jesus because they came under the blood. Now we might say, well, how could God forgive that? But if we really look deep down in all of our hearts, the spirit of Cain is in all of us. The spirit of sin is sin before God. God doesn't classify sin. God doesn't look at it. He says, if, so gossip is the same thing as murder to God. You might say, oh, pastor, you're getting a little intense. No, read the Bible. Gossip, slander, division is the same as adultery and murder to the Lord. He doesn't, there's no scales of sin. And the Bible says if we fall short at one part of it, we are guilty of breaking the entire code of God, the entire law. So there's no one righteous. None of us should be able to say, well, I've been, I grew up in church or, or I read my Bible six times a day. We could read it all day long, but if we're not under the blood of Jesus, nothing really matters. We have to be humble and say, God, God, I, wanna, I need to be under your blood and be forgiven, Lord. The blood gives us access to his presence. The second quick thing here, the third quick thing, sin hides us from God's presence. The blood gives us access to God's presence. Thirdly, sin sin brings punishment and death. And we have to be honest with ourselves and we need to be, I really feel before the Lord that I gotta bring this before you as your pastor, us as pastors and leaders. We pray all the time, God, may may our people be be, be so full of the word and so full of truth that we won't, they, they won't, they'll be strong in the midst of the culture, be strong in the midst of the prevailing of the times. Even Cain understood this. Cain said, whoever finds me is going to kill me. Meaning he got, he, he understood that there was a penalty and a punishment for sin. So even though he killed his brother, even though he's the first murderer in the history of mankind, he understood, God, if, 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 if someone finds me, they're going to kill me. He knew that there was a punishment for sin. Sin always opens the door for death and punishment. Don't believe the subtle whisper of the enemy that says, ah, just a little bit. Just a little sin. That won't hurt anybody, right? Just a little dabble, a little touch, a little look, a little taste. Adam and Eve took a bite off a piece of fruit off of a tree. Think about that for a second. Adam and Eve, if you've never read this before, go home, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, first couple chapters of the Bible. Adam and Eve 
took a bite of a piece of fruit. And that created the problem of sin, okay? So, there's no such thing as a little sin. Sin is sin. And we need to understand that it brings punishment and death. Punishment, because God is a righteous God, and he requires payment for sin. And so one of the things that happens is that when we sin, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, it cre- they, all of a sudden, instead of living forever, because they were created to live forever, they actually began, they, 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 they died. Didn't happen right away, but their physical bodies were supposed to be immortal, but when they sinned, it actually created, death began to work, and after a period of time, they died physically. Now, physical death is a, is a product of sin, but it's not the greatest problem. The Bible calls something called the second death, and that is even greater than the first death. The second death is that every person here, every person that was ever created, every person that has ever lived on the earth, according to the word of God, is going to stand before Jesus. How many of you have ever just done something stupid and you wish you could have taken it back? Showing your hands, yeah, we've all been there. You're like, that was really ridiculous. You know, I really wish. I got a, I'll, I'll confess. I got a, um, I got pulled over a couple months ago, and I was, I, was, I was in a town which will remain nameless. It was not Chicago, one of the surrounding blessed areas. And I, I was driving, and I was just, I wasn't, I, I'm telling you, for the Lord, I wasn't speeding. I was just, just chilling, and, and, I got, and I actually got onto the on-ramp to get onto the Kennedy and I saw the blues. And I was like, what in the, what did I do? I'm like, my license plate. I'm like, you know, you start thinking what happened. Seatbelt's on. I'm not going fast. And the guy, the officer comes in. Hi, officer. Uh, what happened? He said, you blew a stop sign. I said, what stop sign? He said, you blew a stop sign. I said, where? He said, and he kind of helped me. It was like a quarter mile away. I don't even remember. I don't, and I said, I, and I, I, it came out. I said, I've never stopped there. <laughs> yeah. Good job. That's the way to get out of a ticket. I was just being honest. I said, I don't even, I didn't even know there was a stop sign there. So he said, well, there is ticket. And I thought, okay, thank you, officer. Okay. Do better. I go, what do I do? I go home. I hop on Google Maps. I'm like looking at that thing. I'm like, there's a big oak tree and there's a stop sign that's under the thing. And it's kind of like a right-hand turn. There's a dead end on the other streets. I thought it was a yield. I didn't even know there's a stop sign. But you know what? There's a penalty. There's always a penalty. And that's a, that's a small infraction. Obviously, things can go from every to, 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 to huge spectrums. But the, th- the thing is this. Every one of us is going to be accountable for everything that happened, everything we've done in our life. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. And, and the reason I brought that story up is because I wish I could have gone back and taken that back. I'm like, I wish I could have gone all the way back and said, oh, if I could do that over again. Save me a couple hundred bucks, right? Same thing for all of us. We've had moments in our life where we said, wow, if I could take that back, I would. Well, here is the incredible thing for every single one of us here this morning, is that God writes things in the Bible that have not yet come to pass. He gives us glimpses into the future of things that will actually happen so we don't have to stand before him on that day and have the greatest day of regret of our lives. And he writes a picture of, of, the, of, the, of, of all of humanity standing before his throne at the end. And if you're here today 
You're not here on accident. God brought you here on purpose. If you're listening online, he has brought you even to listen to this podcast in a very providential way. Out of all of the billions of people on the earth, for those of us who are under the word of God, we are blessed. And we have an amazing opportunity. And here's what it says is going to happen. Because of sin, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Which is, by the way, look here, the book of life is the book where everyone who has given their heart to Jesus is written in the book of life. It's called the Lamb's book of life. But the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the ultimate payment for sin. Because God is a holy God and he's a righteous God, the ultimate payment for sin is that for eternity, we cannot, every person will be in one of two places for all of eternity, either in eternal, eternal happiness and joy in heaven or eternal turmoil, turmoil and pain in a place called the lake of fire. And so, brothers and sisters, why do we say this? It's because we're about ready to take communion. We're about ready to say, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for dying for me. And we have to remember what it is that he has saved us from. Not only has he saved us from, from our sin, but he has saved us from an eternity of separation from him. This is going to happen. But here is the good news. Sin doesn't just bring, sin brings punishment and death, but Jesus brings forgiveness and life. Jesus is the one who, if you say, if we can confess and we can say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner, he will forgive us and he will bring life. Even, here's what God did for Cain. What God did for Cain is, Cain is the Lord said, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And what God was doing is that even though Cain was rebelling and had sinned, God still put a mark on him. Today, you know what our mark is? Our mark is the blood of Jesus Christ. When we, when we, when we come to the Lord, he, 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 the, blood of, the Bible says we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The, word of, the good news is in Romans chapter 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's two groups of people here today. One group of people, you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and you've not had your sins forgiven and you've not asked him to come and to be the Lord of your life. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that in a moment. The other group is those who you have given your heart to Jesus and you belong to him. Both of us have to ask the question of sin. And so with all eyes closed, everyone just bow your head, please, for a moment. One of the most famous passages in the Bible is, is the, very, the very words 
and the very reason why Jesus Christ came to the earth. It's in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's called the good news. It's the greatest news anyone could ever hear. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ, God himself, to come and to cleanse you of your sin, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. 2,000 years ago, he came to the earth, he died on a cross, he shed his blood because that blood was the payment for our sin. Three days later, the Bible teaches us that he rose again from the grave and he conquered sin, he conquered death. And today he extends his free gift of salvation. It's free. There's nothing we can do to work for it. But he's already paid the price. What we have to do is accept and believe and trust that he's done that for us and receive him as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. And so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity. You would say, Pastor Matt, I... I've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and I want to ask him to forgive me of my sins and I want to, ask, I want to invite him to, to live inside my heart, to be the Lord of my, my home. If that's you, I want to pray with you and I want to invite you to pray. I'm going to, I want to lead you to do this. And you say, yes, Pastor Matt, I'd like to ask Jesus to wash me of my sins and to be my Lord and Savior. Just lift your hand in the presence of the Lord. If that's you here today, you'd say, I want to ask you, thank you. You can lift your hand nice and high so I can see. Thank you. Hands are going up. Praise the Lord. Wait another moment. If you raise your hand, just lift it up nice and high. You'd say, I want to ask Jesus to wash me and to be the Lord of my heart. Amen. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about it. It's just something that it's me, my way of leading you to talk to God. As a church family, we're all going to pray together. And I want you to repeat after me and believe in your heart as we talk to the Lord. Come on, church, let's pray together with our new brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for this day. I confess that I am a sinner that needs a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the grave. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. I ask that you would be my Lord and my Savior. I invite you to come and to live and to rule in my heart. I give you my past and I give you my future. Thank you for receiving me just as I have received you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you today. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that sin has been washed away, that the debt has been paid, that our lives now, God, they belong to you. And we thank you for a fresh grace, Lord, in our relationships with you. We love you, we bless you, we honor you today. Thank you 
for this wonderful time in your presence. And God, I pray that this week, Lord, should you tarry, would be, would be a week where, as the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that you would use us for your glory to tell the world that there is an answer to the problem, and his name is Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise him one last time today. Hallelujah.